0: I'll be reading from Galatians chapter five, verses one, six, and 13 through 15. If you wish to follow along, it can be found in our pew Bibles on New Testament page 190. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, Take care that you are not consumed by one another.
1: Well, last Sunday we started a new series called Growing Up, where we are walking with the Apostle Paul through Galatians 5, which has the famous fruit of the Spirit. And last week we talked about how the fruit of the Spirit are markers or indicators of a spiritual maturity, and that Paul wasn't just inviting us to do these things or don't do those things, but was saying, go get into the spirit, live out, walk with God, and here are the kinds of things that will come out of you. And so we are starting into that list with love this week. And love is on my mind because I've just recently had to add a new name to I love you, name. And it's a little bit hard with the second child versus the first child. You're so used to seeing a baby and saying, for us. I love you, Gwen. Now, you have a new child with a new name, and you keep messing up. No, I love you, Jane, but I've never loved somebody named Jane before. And it takes a little bit of getting used to saying that phrase with a new name. And I was curious, I was wondering, what are people searching for? What are news stories about love in today's world? So I, I searched on Google, and a few of the top news stories of questions about love were, and I didn't make this up, can fish feel emotional pain and love? Do our pets ever really love us, or do they just stick around for the food? And a relationship column, when should I say I love you? And this person was trying to walk through, all right, you're in a new relationship, you know, is it too soon? Should I say it yet? You know, and, and you're thinking, like, I feel it, should I say it? Should I hold off? Or maybe worse, you've been in a relationship for a while and you're like, I don't feel it yet. (laughs) Uh, Maybe I'm in some trouble here. Um, But when do I say it? Is it a week into a relationship? Is it a month into a relationship? Is it a few months? When should I say I love you? And Paul invites us today to think about when we love and how to love. And so I want to start us out talking today about how prominent love is, not only in Paul, but also in the New Testament. But Paul especially wants to talk about love. Um, Yes, it's the first fruit that we're going to talk about, um, but also in 1 Corinthians 13, remember the great love passage? He has a list at the end, and love gets the kind of closing word instead of the first word. Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Paul, in our text today, says that the whole law, all of God's covenant, like the Bible that he has, all of that law is summed up in a single commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And in the Jewish tradition, they kind of number all of those commandments as 613 commandments and he's saying, hey, just one, can you love? And if you love, you'll follow the rest of the commandments. And Paul in our, in our text today says the only thing that counts is faith working through love. So Paul cares a lot about love, and there's more, but we get the illustration. Paul thinks love is central. And so Paul invites us today and way back then into a decision time. Remember, it's not about just do love or don't do love. But the invitation is walk in the spirit or pursue the flesh. Back to last week's message. And here that looks like live out your faith working through love or just submit back to the life of the do's and don'ts of the law. Which path will you choose? The spirit or the flesh? Paul frames it this way. For in Christ... Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. I'm going to pause, because that's outlandish to be saying when Paul's saying it. The sign of the covenant, that God is is, the God of our people, that sign doesn't matter at all. It counts as nothing. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. So Paul has set up for us two different kinds of pursuits, a pursuit of these outward signs that look like nothing and the only true pursuit of love. So we're going to spend some time on that pursuit of nothing. I think what's tragic about this pursuit is Paul is saying, you're going to go through all of these signs and you're going to go through all these laws and these do's and don'ts, but there's no reward there. There's no prize at the end. You're picking up the dull shovel and going into the middle of the hard land and digging, and next thing you know, it's rock, and there's nothing, and you just keep chipping away at the rock, and there's no reward for you, but you keep into this never-ending pain and struggle just for nothing, and Paul is frustrated because the people that have come into his his churches that he started in Galatia are teaching that there's a lot of things you got to do, so you're Christians. Well, you've got to do this, this, and that. So they've come behind him and they start teaching the people there in Galatia, uh, you better get circumcised, because that's the sign that you are God's uh, you are in God's covenant. Well, that's not great news if you're an adult male, and that's causing a burden to some people. They're also saying you've got to eat the right foods. There's a whole lot of dietary laws not only eat the right foods, avoid the wrong ones. And you better avoid that cheeseburger after the service today. You got to make sure to observe the right holidays. And not just observe them of like, oh, well, I'll take the day off. But some of those holidays are pilgrimages. Better get your stuff together, be able to travel, and get your tents ready. You got to purchase the right animals or the right grains. You got to get the right stuff to celebrate appropriately. And we haven't even started on Wait, is Sabbath Saturday? Why are we gathering on Sunday? There's all sorts of religious pursuing uh, of, the, of the old covenant that Paul is dealing with. What about wearing the right clothes? Anybody here wearing some mixed fabrics? Already broke the law today. Paul is so frustrated because there's people who have started out in faith and who had this vibrant, loving faith have exchanged that faith for pursuing all of this other stuff that just distracts, that there's no reward and that you can't ever live up to. And they've given it all away for nothing. And we make our own lists. I'll just name some old lists. Uh, maybe you've heard someone say, don't you dare play cards or gambling. Or a good Christian, you're going to go dancing? You don't know what that's going to lead to. You're going to drink that with your meal? There's plenty of Christian do's and don'ts that get tagged along of what is it to be a good, upstanding Christian, the markers of the faith. And Paul says that all of those pursuits of the flesh have no reward, have no value if they're done without love. Here's the famous part of 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and angels... But do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Anybody have somebody learn the drums next door? If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, those are all great things. So as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all of my possessions, if I hand over my body, just so that I may, may boast, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. So for Paul, even having really good things, even pursuing these good behaviors, this good life, if love's not there, what's the point? (sighs) Not only is it a pursuit of nothing, but it ends very badly. Paul says in our passage, if however you bite and devour one another, take care you are not consumed by one another. You start going the other path, and the do's and the don'ts end up in critiques and fights and arguments. And the next thing you know, when love is absent, pain and harm come welling up. And that, that devouring, that pain is real in Galatia. And that's why Paul's frustrated. And I spared Steve of having to, to read this verse out loud in our setting because it's tough to read out loud. But Paul's going to say some harsh things. Some things that people wouldn't say are ways to talk in church. Um, he's frustrated because these people who are free are being enslaved again. And this is kind of being highlighted by the idea of you must be circumcised to be a Christian. And so Paul says, oh great, you teachers, if that's what you want to teach, Galatians 5:12, I wish those who unsettle you would castrate themselves. You want to circumcise to cut around, just cut it off. Thus says the holy word of God. <laughs> That's not a happy person. Paul is, is deeply upset and moved because the people he cared for are being pushed away from the faith that set them free back into something that will never be rewarding, something that will never satisfy. And the pursuit of the flesh that ends in, no- in nothing. Nothing. It'd be nice to follow up with Paul. Hey, did you, would you still say that? Is that okay? Should I have said that? But I think there's a rule in Scripture that we tend to see that's unspoken, that the people who are causing harm to the vulnerable, they're the ones who get the harshest statements, whether it's Paul here or it's Jesus saying, hey, you hypocrites. He's talking to people who are putting heavy burdens on, on those who are already broken, those who are already poor, those who already have nothing, and that's who get the brunt of this frustration. In a world that is broken, we can lovingly proclaim freedom, but how often do we choose the pursuit of flesh? How often do we bicker about whether their life decisions cause them to have a little bit less money in their bank account or or whether they're dressed the way I want them to, or whether they will like the shows I like, or they like the music I like, or, or they have the same political views I have. As we bicker about each other and hold each other to standards, never mind standards we don't even live up to, we devour one another on the wrong path. Every time we enslave our brother or sister, we have chosen that flesh path the pursuit of nothing. But I don't know about you, but I'm thankful there's another path. Because that would end in a very sad word. But that's sadly the world we live in most frequently, I think. But there's another path, one rooted in love and freedom and Christ. For God so loved the world, even though sometimes that message gets shouted like hate at people, but God loved the world and sent his Son And Paul mentions that our freedom is not just freedom for the sake of freedom, but don't use it for the opportunity of self-indulgence. Choose to live out that freedom the way God intends. I love uh, part of the reason we read verse 1 today about for freedom Christ has set us free, stand firm, and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. I thought that was important because in our passage it says... uh, Brothers and sisters, through love become slaves to one another. And I don't think we understand what he's saying about saying be slaves to one another if we don't hear what he's already said not to be a slave to. Don't be a slave to the burden of the law. Be a slave to one another through love. Like let people, being the driving principle of showing God's love instead of commands and do's and don'ts, if you need to serve someone, serve them with love, everything else falls into place. So it's time for us to do a little love assessment. If love is that fruit that wells up when our spirit is dwelling with God and and is being matured through God, how do we know whether that love is fully present or not? So if you want to imagine strapping your heart monitor on, and it's not, it's not looking for the heartbeats and the rhythms and the patterns. It's looking for your love levels. How loving do you consider yourself today? I want to read from Luke chapter 6. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. And so, who is our enemies? Because that's the litmus test of how well we love. How well do we love? Let's start easy. How well do you love Michigan? How well do you love Michigan State? How well do you love Ohio State? How well do you love Notre Dame? How well do you love? How well do you love people with giant bank accounts? How well do you love people who can't get bank accounts? How well do you love people who steal from others' bank accounts? In today's world, how well do you love Republicans? How well do you love Democrats? And How well do you love those who can't stand politics and stay as far away as they can? How well do you love Americans? How well do you love non-English speaking immigrants? How well do you love exile seekers? How well do you love Christians who worship the way we want to worship? How well do you love Christians who worship nothing like the way we worship? How well do you love people who've never been in a church? How well do you love people who worship in other kinds of religious traditions? How well do you love your neighbor? Because thank God, that God's love is not conditional, even when we like to make it conditional on others. Loving our enemies doesn't mean we have to agree with them or enable them, especially those who do harm. But there is a way in which we are called to be, to live in this world as agents of radical love. And this world desperately, desperately needs us to grow up in love. Think about how many people in your own life either people you've seen, people you've seen in your digital life, on your Facebook walls, who seem to live more and more out of anger and hate and less and less out of love. I struggle with uh, how exactly to talk about this, but it's one thing for a person to have a perspective, and it's another thing when a church fails, I think, to love. It's one thing for a person to let us down, but we don't want to see the church fail to love and regardless of where you are in this uh, political conversation, for a Virginia church to post a sign that says, America, love or leave it, I think falls short of where the church is called to be. Because we are called to love our neighbors, not to exile them. And I think too often, when things get tough and we disagree, we want to kick people out, we want to leave, we want to be a part but how do we actually love? And it's not something you get to choose and just kind of decide in the moment, I'm going to now be a loving person. It's a long process of sitting in prayer and sitting in worship, sitting with God, and saying, God, I know there are some people I still struggle to love. Help me to love them. Because no matter what our disagreement is, we should be people who handle ourselves with love at the foremost. Do people see God's love in your life? Because faith working through love, Paul says, is all that matters. Does your family see God's love in your life? Your children, your spouses, your siblings, your cousins, whoever that is? Do your coworkers see God's love in your life? Your boss, your direct reports, your least favorite person in the office? Does your church family see God's love in your life? The ones you sit by in service? The ones who you go to small group or Sunday school class or book studies with? The ones who don't worship with you? The ones who think church should go in different ways than you? Do the everyday strangers of this world who, whose lives pass by us, even without exchanging names, do they see the love of God growing up in you? Because that is the sign of the Spirit at work. And it's the humbling reminder that there's still more work for the Spirit to do in us. And so, I don't care as much about the quibbles of what's the best way to express my Christian faith as much as I care about whether we're doing so in love. Because if love is absent, we're failing at everything else. It doesn't matter. Is love present? Because people's lives are at stake. People... People struggle with their own, like, loving themselves. They struggle with being felt like that they're loved. And it's up to God and the world and our partnership as the church to show people that they are loved. And yet too often we fall short of that. Do you see anyone trying to devour someone? Do you see yourself trying to devour someone? Love isn't present there, and that's both sad and alarming. But there's good news, that love is fundamental, that love is essential, that you are loved, that the God of all loves even you, even on your hateful day, even on your worst day, you are loved. And so we have to choose, do we let the God, the God of the universe cultivate the garden in us that grows up into the fruit like love? So to return to that kind of fun relationship article, how long should I wait to tell someone I love them? If you're waiting, it's too long. The answer is yes. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. Be wasteful with your overflowing love because that's what we are called to do. If your well of love is running dry this morning, go back to God humbly in prayer, the one who can bring out love in all. Would you pray with me? Lord, we have all entered into your presence struggling to love someone. Lord, I ask that you would be gracious and kind in your cultivating of us. Lord, be merciful where we have fallen short as you always are. Lord, bring up love out of our midst in every aspect of our life. Lord, I pray that this, this church, that, this every, that every person in the space, that everyone who listens to this message, that everyone that our church comes in contact might be seen in their, in their everyday life as, wow, how does that person love so well? Lord, I just am grateful in this moment for how much you love us. And I pray that you would Help us to be able to rest in that love today. It's in your name that we pray, amen.